This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute. And available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. It's a windy afternoon in the port of Paita. My reporting partner, Simeon Tegel, and I are checking out the stores that pepper the area by the main dock. They're selling all the supplies fishermen could possibly need as they head out to sea, from rain jackets to diesel for their motorboats. Inside one of the stores, a young woman at the register is surprised to see us out-of-towners, so she's documenting our every move with her cell phone. And we are documenting everything around us, too. So the hooks they use for the potter, the giant flying squid, are pretty ferocious things. Um, and it's multiple hooks, really. I'm holding one in my hand, which is for a big potter, up to maybe about 90 pounds, which is as big as they get. It's about almost a foot long. One half of it is plastic, but they come in all different colors. Yeah. And they're fluorescent, and they glow in the dark, which is what attracts or helps attract the squid. And then the other half of it is just absolutely ferocious. It has four rows of nails coming out of it at about a 40 degree angle. There's probably a dozen or more nails in each of these rows or circles. And they put the bait on those and that's what the, the squid actually bites. And it's, it seems like a pretty horrible way to, to go, one of these, but the, the one interesting, really interesting detail that might make you feel less sorry for the giant flying squid is that the bait that they use are other giant flying squid, but baby or juvenile ones, because they're it's very cannibalistic species. Imagine biting one of those. I can't imagine it. It really does look like a medieval torture device, this muestra or jig. And looking at it and hearing Simeon's description of how squid are cannibalistic, how they bite into the bait, is making me terribly sick. Liz, the store manager, tells us there's great diversity in the jigs they sell. Fishermen will need to have all different sizes. It all depends on what kinds of squid they're finding out at sea. Small four-inch ones for smaller squid and huge ones for the 90-pound squid Simeon was just describing. Imagine that you're out at sea and it's the middle of the night. You're probably barely awake when the squid come up from the depths of the ocean to feed. And one of these huge invertebrate creatures goes for the bait on your jig. And it's pulling so hard, it takes more than one man to haul it on board. The squid's eight arms are flailing wildly and it's spewing ink everywhere. Then imagine doing this all night long, pulling on squid, one after another, for two to three nights in a row. Local fishermen are experts at finding and capturing the elusive squid, then taking it to shore. But what happens after they sell it is totally out of their hands. This is The Catch, a six-part series from Foreign Policy in partnership with the Walton Family Foundation. I'm Ruxandra Guidi. In each episode, we're looking at issues of sustainability, global economics, the supply chain, and what it takes to curb illegal fishing. 
On our first episode, I flew down to Peru and met up with my reporting partner, Simeon Tegel, to travel to the fishing town of Paita. There we learned what's happening out on the water. That squid seems to be plentiful, but it's probably being overfished. And we heard the concerns of local fishermen that a lack of regulation may endanger their future livelihoods. Today, part two, Bota in Paita. We go ashore and follow this carnivorous creature to the processing plants to get a better sense of how squid has become an integral part of the Peruvian economy, trying to suss out the health of this market. Off the coast of Peru, squid is a hot commodity, so much so that it's getting harder for local Peruvians to get in on the catch. That's Armando Chinchay. He's 46, and he's been fishing since he was 12. We met Armando in Paita. He was at home, just like he is now, in between fishing trips. Back in early 2020, when the pandemic hit, the government mandated a lockdown. So for a while, fishermen like Armando weren't allowed to go out to sea. We were running out of food and money, Armando says. So one day we were told, fine, you can go out to fish. A few artisanal ships, including the one Armando was working with, traveled 600 miles south along Peru's coast. And then they headed further out, but still within the country's 200-mile jurisdictional waters. That's where we found the Chinese vessels, and we just couldn't compete with them, he tells us. The reason for this is simple. The Chinese ships that roam the high seas are huge industrial operations, equipped with high-tech gear and lights so powerful they can be seen from space. These lights alone can attract way more squid to the surface waters than artisanal ships ever could. It's important to remember that when it comes to fishing, a lot of what these Chinese fleets are doing isn't illegal. But still, they are huge, and they can capture and carry a lot more squid. And this is what has fishermen like Armando concerned that the laws right now are not giving locals a fair shot at the catch. According to the South Pacific Regional Fisheries Management Organization, the number of Chinese-flagged vessels just outside Peruvian waters has grown, from 54 in 2009 to 557 in 2020. That's a tenfold jump in just a decade. They come to this coast because of its riches. Once it was anchovy and tuna and shark. Now it's squid. And they're taking out an estimated 358,000 tons of squid a year from this southern Pacific region. So after we ran into them, we came together and wrote to government officials, Armando says. But it was in vain. Unfortunately, that's yet another challenge we fishermen face. Armando Chinchay and his fellow artisanal fishermen from Paita never heard back from government officials. Later on, we're going to hear from those who are working to bring order to some of the chaos happening on the seas. But first, we're feeling a little hungry. 
So Simeon and I head to a processing plant where we've been promised a full tour and a delicious meal. We get to Produmar, one of the smaller fish processing facilities here in Paita. We walk through the heavy metal doors of the nondescript concrete building and we're asked to put on some clean rubber boots and lab coats, hand sanitizer, masks. Careful, we're told. The floor is wet and slippery. We're walking briskly through the main floor of the plant as one of the company executives is showing us around and pointing to the fresh squid. And this is arriving from the dock today, right? It was just captured? Yes, it's from this morning. And it's now being weighed. We try to take advantage of the squid as much as we can, we're told. So we cut out the squid mantle and the tentacles. That's the stuff that becomes fillets or is packaged and frozen. The rest will end up as fish meal. Now we're at the end of the assembly line, and we're looking at squid that's neatly cut up, packed in clear plastic with a label on top. This is like the squid's birth certificate, we're told. It tracks the squid from the moment it gets to Produmar until it gets exported. We can even track the vessel it was captured in. It must be legal in order for us to buy their product. After the tour, Simeon and I take off our rubber boots and lab coats, and we're whisked to a small conference room inside the plant. We're being treated to a lunch featuring, you guessed it, squid. Gerardo Carrera is joining us. He's the general manager of Produmar. He pours us a glass of Inca Cola, the most Peruvian of soft drinks, a sweet, bright yellow drink. That's when one of the plant's employees walks in, bringing tray after tray of food. We're getting to try a traditional ceviche, chalaquita, or mussels with tomato, onion, cilantro, and yes, little chunks of squid. Deep fried squid with breading, like calamari. So we try this mystery meat. It's off-white and opaque. You could say it almost looks like plastic. It's boiled squid with no seasoning, just so we get a sense of how different it is when it's not prepared in any way. This product is so noble, Gerardo Carrera tells us. It has no flavor, so it gives culinary value to anything you serve it with. It's like a blank page, says Simeon. Yes, if you tell a child squid is chicken, Gerardo tells us, then the kid will eat it. And I will too. Squid is a really versatile meat, a little chewy, but easy to digest. When you add garlic and tomato and all those other fixins, it's delicious. It feels like a world away from the deep fried calamari I dreaded eating as a kid. There seems to be real excitement at Produmar about this being the next big thing. It's like the real chicken of the sea. But like any developing country experiencing a windfall, Peru's increased squid production seems to have outpaced labor rights. I mean, look, you're talking about a 70-hour work week. And, you know, it's not a straight salary they get. They're being paid kind of, I guess, on a commission basis or depending on how, in, you know, how much they 
uh, in terms of weight, they actually do. We're told that some of the best-paid workers inside these plants make $400 a week. They're the fileteros, the ones who cut the fillets of seafood. They tend to be men. And then there are the envasadoras, the ones that pack the seafood. And they tend to be women, making $160 a week on average. So you see, there's a big gender divide inside these plants. It made such an impression on us to see so many employees on their feet on the factory floor for long hours, just chopping up and packing squid. While the Produmar plant was impressive, we heard there was another place that is more representative of the squid boom in Paita. We wanted to go there to get a better perspective on both its impact locally and how it integrates into the global market. Our guide there is Hector Oyala, one of Paita's most successful entrepreneurs. He's one of the sons in Fisholk and Sons, a seafood packing plant that buys fish and squid from local fishermen and then preps and exports it internationally. Hector picks us up in his bright blue Jeep. And uh, we're arriving soon at the plant. But before we get to talk about processing, Simeon asks about the Chinese vessels in Peruvian waters that we've been hearing so much about. The Peruvian government can't control nor protect our coasts, Oyala tells us. It doesn't have the infrastructure to do so. And would you say people here in Paita are resentful about this? Sí, de hecho existe, digamos, de así un poco de, podríamos decir resentimiento o debido a que no We could say there's resentment. They don't feel support from our government. Think about it. Around 50 or 60 percent of the squid we catch in Peru is being exported to China. So we end up competing with those vessels, and that keeps prices low for everyone. Think of it this way. The Peruvian artisanal fishermen are these little guys. They're freelancers, basically. And the Chinese fleets are these huge ships that benefit from state subsidies that bring down the cost of fuel, cheap labor, and industrial fishing gear. All of them are trying to catch squid that's slated for the Asian market. Who do you think has the advantage here? Still, business is brisk at Oyala's processing plant. Now that he's able to tap into foreign markets, Demand has remained robust, and he's eager to show us around. We pull up to the Fischl plant in Paita's industrial sector. Around us, all we can see are gas stations and roads connecting the big warehouses to the main freeway. We're taken inside a Spartan office with a big conference table. At one end of it is Hector Oyala's dad, Santos Oyala, the founder of Fischolg. He's a cheerful, confident guy in his 60s, and he proudly tells us how he came from a small village in the Andes with big dreams but little money. I understand you're from the Andes. Can you tell us about starting all this from scratch? 
a los inicios de que yo, bueno, yo llegué a, a Quiapaita, los años 79, Well, I got to Paita in 1979, he says, and I started working in a plant like this one that processes fish. I was a laborer. But all of us who come from the countryside, we don't want to leave the way we came. I used to say, I want to leave with a car. At least one car. But man, this has given me many cars. Santos Oyala and his sons don't really plan on growing their company any more than it already has. They have too much competition. The seafood packing industry in Paita has tripled in the past decade since they started. Back in the car, Simeon and I can't stop thinking about how transformative squid has been for this local economy. I do find it quite remarkable that... that, um... All four of his sons. Yeah. Well, I mean, the interesting thing, I don't know. He basically, I mean, he'd done well for himself. You know, he'd risen from like the factory floor to be factory manager or something like that and this successful salesman in the commercial fishing industry. And then he basically had four sons who all went off to university to study their own things with his encouragement. And it was only really just over a decade ago that basically this opportunity came up for him and he was able to make the most of it. And wow, all of a sudden he's sitting on this really uh, significant booming industry that, uh, or company. Uh, yeah, it's really and, not and that long help. ago. It's like yeah. just 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We spoke to many people in Peru who told us there hadn't been any interest in the cephalopod until about 30 years ago. Peruvian fishermen would find it out at sea but didn't bother to catch it. They didn't eat it. In other words, there was no market for it. La puta como tal es una pesquería que se conoce en el Perú recién en el año 89. That's Juan Carlos Suero. He's a director of fisheries for Oceana, a global NGO. He says before the Chinese fleets ever came near Peru in large numbers, there was a South Korean research expedition back in 1989. They were out prospecting and realized there's lots of it. So they proposed to exploit squid with permission from the Peruvian government. I ask Suedo, how does an economist find his way to fish? Well, it was random luck, he tells me. Typically, the social sciences here in Peru don't show much interest in fisheries. But a friend who's a sociologist said, hey, we need an economist for a project on fisheries. And so that's what it was like during the 90s, he says. Korean and Japanese ships would get permits to catch squid off the coast of Peru, and then they'd send it to their countries. They'd gut it, freeze it, and ship it. No part of the squid or the profit from its sale would stay here in Peru. But then, Suedo says, Peru was hit by one of the strongest El Niño events on record in 1997 and 1998. Fishermen just north of Paita began to see dramatically reduced stocks of anchovy and mackerel. But fishermen also knew about the Korean and Japanese fleets offshore, and they decided to pivot and adapt their style of fishing. Overnight, Peruvian fishermen came up with the muestra, or the jig, the improvised squid-catching system that sold all over Paita and other fishing communities on the Peruvian coast. 
Cada pota sale con la fuerza en la mano. To this day, squid in Peru is caught by hand. There is nothing mechanical about the process. And that's meant two things, Suedo says. Artisanal Peruvian fishermen begin to catch squid and export it, and Peruvians start eating it too. Y se empieza a comer en el Perú. Bastante. No, bastante. Sí, sí, sí. We'll get into more eating later. But for now, let me just say that Peruvian cuisine has traditionally relied on a number of fish species that were found locally grouper, sea bass, mackerel, among others, all of which are now so hard to find and are really expensive due to overfishing. And that's where squid comes in. According to many people we spoke to in Peru, the reason the squid population is faring well is because so many other fisheries here are not, whether that's due to overfishing or climactic events like El Niño or both things at once. You could say squid is an opportunistic stock, or it's somehow starting to replace so many other species that us humans seem keen to destroy. But what if squid was to collapse one day too? Is anyone thinking about this? Next time on The Catch. We meet the people who think about squid all day and all night, the scientists, the government officials, and members of law enforcement who are or should be doing their part to protect a species that's now not just an integral part of the Peruvian economy, but also its culture. We'll meet one of the top officials whose job it is to patrol the seas, and the government minister who dared to try to rein in overfishing. Horrible. Horrible. It almost killed me, really. They made up songs about me. They burned an effigy of me in Paita. It was horrible. So intense. And that's it for part two of The Catch. Our show is a production of Foreign Policy in partnership with the Walton Family Foundation. Our production team includes Jimena Ledgar, Rosie Julin, Rob Sachs, Maria Jimena Aragon, and Anisa Peseschki. Special thanks to my co-reporter Simeon Tegel, based in Lima. A big thanks to Teresa Ish, Rainu Mittal, and Mark Shields from the Walton Family Foundation for their assistance. If you like what you're hearing, please consider leaving a review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts or head over to foreignpolicy.com, where you can listen to our other podcasts and sign up for our newsletter. The Catch is made possible in part by the support of foreign policy readers. If you're interested in smart geopolitical news and analysis from Washington and around the world, please consider subscribing. The Catch listeners get a 15% discount on their first month or year of access by going to foreignpolicy.com slash subscribe and using the promo code SQUID, S-Q-U-I-D, at checkout. Thanks for listening. I'm Ruxandra Guidi. See you next week. <laughs>